listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm uh, I'm thinking that maybe some of you are here because you got an email from me telling you about the show and you thought, hey, that email is really helpful. It reminded me of the show and it even told me who was going to be on and what was going to happen. And some of the others of you are thinking, gee, I wish I got an email like that. And you know what? It would be really easy for you to get that email. And, and John, you're here. I am. Glad to have you. Hi. You, you get that email, don't you, John? I do get that email. And, and what did you do to sign up for that email? All you've got to do to sign up for the email is go to bartcampolo.org and go all the way to the bottom and, uh, and it's right there. There's a little sign up form. Yeah. And you know, I'm trying on those emails. I don't know how well I'm doing, but I'm trying to make them two parts. Like one is, the last part is like, here's who's on the show. Mm-hmm. But the top part, I'm trying to make like just a little thoughtful nugget that somebody might read and think, hmm, that gives me something to think about for a moment in yeah. a positive and humanistic way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to make them so that, I mean, what's funny is, John, I get letters from a lot of people who are like, hey, thanks for that email. Or like, I love getting these emails. And they don't listen to the show. <laughs> yeah. They're, well, they're just plugged into you, whatever you're doing, and they may not be like weekly listeners. Do you think those are the kind of people that listen once in a while? Some of them, but like some of them, I mean, I have this, you know, I've been, I've been, shuffling email addresses and and then snail mail addresses from the time that I was like an early Christian missionary 30 years oh, ago. Yeah. 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 And you know, my aunt Rose is on that list, like lots of people who have supported me over the years and they never got off because they, they kind of don't want to. And so, you know, my aunt Rose probably doesn't listen to the show. Aunt Rose, if you're out there, please let me know. But uh, I don't think she listens to the show, but you know, she, she, if she sees an email from me, she's going to look at it. And so I'm, you know, so I'm trying to make those a little bit devotional in nature, something that might, you know, inspire a good thought. I like it. So anyway, if you want to get on that list, you should, you should let me know. Cause like, I would love it if, if more of our humanize me people were actually on the list since it is ostensibly a podcast email. Right. Right. All right. Hey, so I know that, I know that we've added some Patreon supporters recently. And, you know, we got to readjust our tier structure of what we promised because like, I want to thank everybody. And I know we're not supposed to thank people unless they they support it at certain level. (laughs) And I think, I think we have to, I think we have to blow that up. Like, screw that. We're going to start thanking everybody because I (laughs) just thank everybody no matter what. Well, the truth is I got a letter from a lady, um, just recently who said, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was a supporter of the podcast for a dollar a month. And she said, and then at one point you made a joke about dollar a month people as if they were like bad or like, you, you know, I, I'm, you know, kind of like they were the scum I think of the I remember earth. that. All you said was like, uh, you know, if, if you're at a dollar a month, I thank you. But not as much as if I... If right. I said, anyway, I made some kind of throwaway <laughs> joke. And she was like, you know, that kind of hurt my feelings. Like, I, I, you know, I <laughs> thought it was a good thing. And so she stopped. And she stopped Man. listening. She stopped yeah. listening. 
And and then something came around that through the back door, maybe an email Mm -hmm. that reminded her she came and listened. And she was like, I like those people. I like that podcast. (laughs) And so she wrote me a note and said, listen, you know, I kind of, and I wrote back to her. I was like, what a jerk I am. Like, (laughs) you know, here we are, a struggling podcast. And oh, I I shouldn't say a struggling podcast, a kind of a thriving podcast, but that ultimately we're going to do better if we have 10,000 people who support us for a buck a month. Mm. And, and, and we should make it easy and we should make people feel awesome for doing that. I agree. Because it's like putting, it's putting your money where your mouth is or actually putting your money where my mouth is. Um, well, we I'm say it talking. all the time. They, they literally make the show happen. This thing could yeah. not exist not at all without them. Yeah. No. And, and, and the, thing, the, the other thing is I look at that list and it just fills my heart with gratitude and enthusiasm. And so, yeah. So, listen, anyway, we're going to start – from now on, I don't know, we'll change the tier structure so that we're not lying on the Patreon page. Um, but in the meantime, like, I want to go back and find out everybody who's joined the show in the last six months. And I want to thank them all. We're going to, we're going to, not all at once, not, not, it won't be like being at Yad Vashem and them just reading the names. Um, but, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I really do. I want to thank everybody. Good. And you know who I want to say something to right now? One mm-hmm. of our listeners is um, a woman named Carolyn. And Carolyn is going through some really difficult health stuff that has her fairly non-communicative. Um, but she sent a note the other day saying, listen, I can't be in touch with many people. I'm really struggling. But I do listen to the podcast and, and, it, and, it, and it really helps. And uh, Carolyn, on behalf of me and John, but like just also and Marty – you know, and, um, but also I think like, I think the pe- the kind of people that listen to this show, if they knew you, they would be rooting for you too. And we definitely are. And so, you know, they're just, there you go. I just, I just, I just, I just wanted to kind of put that out there. All right. So John, ostensibly when you show up on the show, you, you show up with a question that you got from somebody. Do you have a question? And I really don't know this time. I really don't know the question. No. This one uh, I got from Bob Cleary. Hey, Bart. This is Bob Cleary. And I have a question about one of your favorite topics, cultivating loving relationships. So I've noticed that I can be most short-tempered with the people I'm closest to and the people I love the most, including my two 12-year-old daughters. So my question is, Am, am I a horrible person? Am I just letting my guard down among people I know best and revealing the monster that I really am? Or is this normal? And are we some ways, in some ways meaner to those we're closest to because we're confident that they'll forgive us? And most importantly, how can I be better at maintaining loving relationships with my daughters as they head into adolescence? Thanks, Bart. Catch you later. There we go. That was Facebook Bob. Facebook Bob. I only call him Facebook Bob because he manages the Facebook page, the Humanize Me Facebook page, and does a wealthy job with it. Um, and I'm grateful. Although, having just read Roger McNamee's book about Facebook, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm even questioning whether <laughs> we should have a Facebook page. Um, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Well, I, I'll tell you, the, the, the Facebook group that Bob manages for us uh, is a lovely place. It's, it's just like, the best of the best of the internet, and 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 it's the truth is Bob Cleary is not a Russian agent sowing discord. No, 
and 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 the other members of the group are not bots, <laughs> right? So okay. I mean, what's funny is is the first part of his question is like, am I a monster? Or are we just lousy? You know, is it just because I'm comfortable with these people? I think, Bob, you know the answer to that question. Yeah, but I think that it sounds like he's worried. In other words, I mean, it does make you reflect, especially after one of these sort of uh, incidents where you just have this kind of mean moment. Uh, and, and you know, you kind of feel bad about yourself. Yeah, and I think that the truth of the matter is is that it is the most backhanded kind of compliment that there is, but that we tend, you know, Bob said it well, like we tend to let, let our worst self show to people who we're fairly sure will forgive us. Um, and, you know, when I perform weddings, John, I mean, you know, when it, you know, I do the homily part of it where I'm sort of giving a message to the couple. Almost always, however I get there, I get to the place where I, where, where I say like the most important skill that you're going to need to develop if, in order for this relationship to really thrive and in order for you to help each other become the best version of yourself that you could possibly be in order to help each other fulfill your human potential is forgiveness. Because there's nobody you're going to wrong more consistently than the than your partner, than the person that you love the most and spend the most time with. I mean, I, there's nobody who I have let down more often, who I have said more hurtful things to, that I have you know shown up late, that I have forgotten, um, that I have overlooked more than my wife. And I'm not, I'm not proud of that, but that's just the nature of, I have so many more opportunities. And so, you know, it's funny when Bob asked the second part of his question, where he's like, what can I do? I thought he was like, what can I do to not be, you know, to not be so mean to the people that are close to me? And I was like, God, probably not much. The, 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 I mean, the, there probably are some things you can do. There are some patterns you can notice. Um, I think of a friend of mine who's often really snappish when he comes home from work because he is still so stressed. And he finally figured out that when he gets home from work, he should park the car, you know, about a block away and sit there for 15 minutes and just think and breathe and process and come in cool, you know, come in having, you know, cause it's the, the drive home is stressful for him. And he realized like, I go right from the car and I walk right and I, I, I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready to deal. And so, I mean, I think there are times when you go like, hmm, there's a pattern here and you spot the pattern. Um, but even if you spot all the patterns, you're still in that comfort zone. And I think in a lot of ways, what that comfort zone means is, is that a person does not only absorb your anxiety and your tension and your anger at them, at what they, at whatever perceived misstep they might've made, but they, they absorb a lot of stuff that you picked up elsewhere. You bring it all home. You bring yeah. it all, you know, you bring, you bring home to them a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with them. I think that's true. I also think it's, this is a very Freudian area, I think. When, with, when he said the guard is down at home, I think 
a lot of the times the most the most intimate relationships you have uh, with partners and kids and stuff like that, they're a reflection of you in some way. And so any sort of frustrations that you have about yourself or any, you know, st- all that stuff comes out in those contexts, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when Roman was a little boy, he was about nine years old, he's a really difficult kid for me to be raising. And uh, I mean, he's full of sort of stuff, anxiety about things and, uh, you know, an inability to kind of listen and all these things. And the weird thing was, I, I would struggle with him so much and, and I would go out to coffee with my dad and my dad would like, he totally got Roman because Roman was just like my dad. My dad would say, oh, he's thinking this. Oh, he's thinking that. How do you, he's like, I'm just like him. You know, <laughs> sort of skipped a generation. And uh, anyway, when Roman hit about nine, I realized that whenever he would exhibit those kind of tendencies, I would come down hard on him. And I realized that what had happened was, you know, I'd been taking this kind of shit off my dad from the time I was born. You know, that's 40 years in. Right. And I had 40 years of frustration. And my dad's a big, strong guy. I, like, I couldn't fight back as a little kid. And even now, like, my dad's a formidable person. But here's this little nine-year-old version of him. And I'll be damned if I'm going to take it from him. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. at one point, when I went off on Roman, I was like, dude, I came to him later and I was like, you know, here's the thing. You're so much like Pop-Pop. And some of the things that you do are things that he's done all my life. And I said, sometimes you're not just dealing with my anger at you in that moment. You're dealing with 40 years of it. Like I've loaded up. Mm. And I said, that's not fair. You don't, you don't deserve that. No, that, but that's exactly what I was getting at with that, with that comment. I mean, it, it's, it's so true. I think this, this is common. I mean, in some ways and people, you know, you're aware of it, but I think a lot of people. Well, I became aware of it. And, and what's funny is like when I told him, when I told him, John, he was like, wow. I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. He said, that actually, he said, that actually helps me to know that. I, I remember growing up, I used to look at my sister and like a lot of the things that my sister did would annoy the hell out of me. And I realized it's because I do those things or it's because like those are the parts of myself, I, what things I saw in her and we were so similar in a lot of ways. I was like, I hate that, you know? Oh, and man, so that, that's I, I would start to change. I would start to change it about myself because I saw it in her. And I'm I'm talking about silly things too. I mean, how she ate breakfast cereal in the morning, everything. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, it's funny. I worked with this family years ago um, when I was when I was living in the in, in this really rough neighborhood, and and they were a troubled family. I mean, they had a lot of stuff going on, but I mean, I loved them, and they loved each other. There were like four kids, and they were all very overweight. They were all really really heavy, like diabetic, like heavy. Mm-hmm. struggling heavy. And when the kids would get mad at each other, they would call each other fat. They would go like, shut up, you fat. F-, you know, And this uh-huh. is a, a massively overweight person. You know, I would think like the, the last thing that they would pull on each other. But that was exactly what it was, is that there was some self-loathing for the weight. And, when, and in the heat of the moment, they would see themselves reflected in the other and it just drove them crazy. And, uh, it's, you know, I, I, I think that's, 
that's probably part of the pain. And for a parent, sometimes you see in your kids, you're like, when <laughs> your kid's born, you're like, I'm going to raise her. She's not going to, I'm gonna, I like, she's going to have all the good parts of me and my spouse and none of the bad. Like we're, right. we're going to keep, you know, and then when they start to emerge and you realize that they've got your insecurity <laughs> here, or they've got your lack of uh, temperament there, it just makes you, it makes you so upset. Yeah, and they're sometimes not, they, they're not perfect. Yeah. And sometimes I think it makes you fearful too, where you're like, this could, this is like, we have like, so you rage at it because it scares you and it scares you because you love them. But like, you know, a lot of times fear exhibits itself in anger. Mm. And so when we're afraid for somebody, a lot of times that comes out in anger towards them, you know, which, you know, the classic thing, like where the kid almost gets hit by a car and the parent is like, don't you, and, and like, they're really just scared. Right. And, 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 and they, they, but they get angry because they don't know how to process the fear. And I think that that's part of it too, with, with kids that we thought we were going to raise perfect. And we realize that we, we can't. And then we get scared of what that means and we take it out on the kid. Yeah. But you know, that's why in, in the wedding, what I would say is the most important skill you're going to need to develop is the, is the ability to ask for forgiveness and offer forgiveness quickly, <laughs> quickly and effectively. You know, and the, 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 the measure of, of a marriage in many ways is how, how short a period of time it is between the offense and the apology. Um, you know, my wife and I used to, we, we, in our early in our marriage, we'd fall out over something. Somebody would say something rude or insensitive and the other, you know, get, get into a thing. And then like, you know, a week later, we, you know, we, and we would be short with each other for a week and, you know, pass the salt. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, and we would stay on the other side of the bed and like, we would lose a whole week of intimacy. And finally one or the other of us would go, listen. I'm sorry. I, I should have never said that thing. And, oh yeah, I, mean, I should have reacted. And, and you work it out. And eventually, I sort of learned more from Marty. Marty. Marty was much better at this than me, but she was like, I'm going to forgive you quick because I don't want to lose, like, I don't want to lose this evening. Right. So just apologize quick. I'll forgive you quick and we can get on with our lives. And and so a lot of the damage that gets done by intimate meanness can be mitigated at least. Even if you can't stop yourself from the offense, you can get really good at, at, at asking for forgiveness and learn sort of the characteristics of a good apology and, 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 and how to be sincere and how not to soft sell it and like come big, come hard with your apologies. And then you can learn to be better at receiving apologies and forgiving and well, and that's a virtuous cycle because if you can break it once and pretty quickly, you, you you can see the path for future for future times where it's a lot quicker in future. Yeah, I mean, you just get. I mean, it, you know, you know, Bob. It's funny when he opened his questions like your favorite topic, you know, cultivating loving relationships, and it's true. Um, and if there's anything that I would emphasize over and over again when I'm doing this with folks is is that being a good lover. And I, I don't mean just a sex lover. I mean like a good 
kid lover, a good spouse lover, a good parent lover, a good friend lover. Being a good lover is a craft. It is a thing that you learn like archery or, you know, or, 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 or motorcycle repair. And you can like read up on it and you can practice and you can get better. It's not, a, it's, it's not magic. And being a good apologizer and being a good forgiver are not magic. They're skills that you learn. But I will say this is that one aspect of a good apology is that you acknowledge what you did wrong and you acknowledge the kind of how, how, how your understanding of, of the damage that that might have done to the other person, how that, how that must've made them feel. But you also make a promise that you're going to change that behavior, that you're going to, or that you're at least going to address it, that you're going to, you're going to not, that what you did wasn't all right and that it shouldn't be tolerated. And so I think that that's where we come back around to like spotting the patterns, because if you're apologizing for the same thing over and over again, it becomes incumbent upon you to try to figure out how you can break that pattern. And, and, and ultimately, if you keep doing the same things over and over again, the apologies will wear thin. Like apologies only work when there's attached to them some good faith effort to not repeat the offense. Am I wrong in thinking that parents now are better at apologizing to their kids than parents in the past? Why would you possibly think that's true? Personal experience. What, your parents are better at it now? Or you're or you're better than I'm your just, parents? I just mean I'm better than my parents, and I see that uh, across a lot of my generation bringing up kids – but I, I, I think that I, like, I strongly doubt it's accurate. You don't think so? Because no, no. I mean, I think like in a, in a, I mean, I think there are probably some families out there that are getting healthier by the generation. Like the parents do a little bit better and they're able to teach their kids some things and the kids like go with that. And then there are some families out there that are getting worse because, you know, uh, you know, kind of abuse or verbal bullying and that kind of stuff tends to make people into verbal bullies. And so, you know, I think sometimes people are, you know, cycling up and sometimes people are cycling down. But, mm. but I don't like our culture as a whole, especially the more we relate through screens and, 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 and devices rather than face to face, we're actually, I think we're, we're getting worse at apologies. And I think you see this even in public life where people's apologies are, they're, they're not sincere. They're, they're meant, you know, there's a lot well, of in, I, yeah. insincere apologizing going on in the world. Well, that, that gets mirrored in people's interpersonal relationships too, where people say they're sorry, but they're, the, the way the apology comes across or the medium through which it develops undermines its credibility. Hmm. So no, I don't. I don't think we're getting better. As a matter of fact, I think that. Well, I certainly see it in the public discourse. I mean, you're right about that. Yeah, and and the other thing that's happening in the public discourse, on the other hand, is that people are taking offense to everything. <laughs> it's very right. difficult to say anything right now without it triggering somebody about something, and upsetting somebody, and somebody feeling insensitive, and people feel the. So if people feel a greater a greater sort of willingness to say, this pisses me off. And that, and, and that engenders, I, I think a lot of that stuff engenders insincere apologies. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, un, un, you know, unreasonable complaints engender, you know, because sometimes people are apologizing simply to move on. Right. You know, institutions are apologizing. Professors are apologizing. Everybody's apologizing, but you don't necessarily sense in them a sincere grief, like, oh man, that I'm so sorry. That really must have hurt you. Because in a lot of cases, the thing they're apologizing for, they don't think was wrong. And it's really dangerous to start apologizing for stuff that when you don't think you're really wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a big problem, actually. So, um, yeah, I think a, a good replacement, Bart, for aggression is assertiveness. Because a lot of the time you think people get get aggressive with each other, especially in these sort of interpersonal ways or in the household, a lot this happens. They could they could have addressed whatever it was that they were wanting to deal with in in an assertive but kind way or like an assertive way that didn't involve aggression. Yeah. Sometimes people think that the opposite of confronting someone angrily is to simply roll over and take it. That, 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 that to be agreeable means that you let people treat you badly. And, and so sometimes people, they, they, they think that confronting somebody with bad behavior is unloving. And so they're like, if you really love somebody, you let them, you, you, don't, you don't step to that. And the truth of the matter is, is that if somebody's stepping on your toe, it's, it's really much kinder to them to say, hey, you know, you're actually stepping on my toe. Could you get off there? Because it's really hurting me. That's way better than waiting until you're so angry and so upset that you go, get the fuck off my toe, you asshole. You know, like <laughs> that there's a sense in which, yeah, assertiveness is um, probably a way to avoid meanness. Because meanness is a lot of times on the offense multiplied by time and and frequency and, you know, the amount of times you let it go. And so I, I think you're right that a lot of times our meanness is a result of having sort of tolerated stuff that we shouldn't have tolerated, even mm-hmm. from our kids. Yeah. I mean, I watch people let their kids pick and pick and pick, and finally they're like, "All right, you, you, we're going home, and you, you lousy kid, get you know." And you think, like, you know what? You, you know that kid when they first did the thing, you should have, you should have punished them right there, or you should have stopped them right there, and in a really calm voice said, "Yeah, you're not going to be able to behave that way, and actually, you're, you're in time out here for the next ten minutes. That's not okay." And you would have prevented. You know, so you right, so it escalated you, because you, of the way you handled it. Exactly, it's like referees in a, in a in a ball game. You know, you let them play and you let them play and you let them play, and then a fight breaks out, and you go like, "Yeah, you know what? You should have called that first foul." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and in in adult relationship, and I guess this could apply to parenting as well. But sometimes I don't know whether I'm right or not about the thing that I'm feeling, and so s- sometimes I'll I'll literally say, "All right, here's here's what I'm feeling." I don't know if it's valid or not, but I'm going to tell you, you know, what I'm feeling about this situation. And then you can sort of let me know your thoughts on it. And it completely avoids a fight because what I feel like doing is fighting about it. What I feel like doing is sort of like extrapolating what's in my brain and like throwing it in their direction in a pretty aggressive way. And I can I can avoid it if I just share kind of my 
my thoughts or my heart on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm yeah. not nearly as I'm not nearly as well um, put together as you are on that score. I mean, I wish I wish I could just go like, yeah. Let me tell you. Well, what do I'm you? Well, but why do you think that is? Because I I would say you're you're very good at 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 that. I but I mean, are you saying because? Is it because you feel the pressure to have nah, to have the it's, answer? It's because it's because I don't know. Like like most of the time when I lash out, like you know, I gosh, I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but like sometimes you know I'll lash out, and Marty or, or especially my you know my daughter will say like, "Hey, have you eaten lately?" And I'll be like, "No." That, you know, like, like that has nothing to do with it. It has everything. She's like, eat a sandwich and then come talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know, I don't, I'm not in touch No, I found with myself doing it that, that, that way, that whole hangry thing. I'm right. hangry. Yeah. That, that was me last week a, a few times. And I was like, oh man, you know, I need to remember to eat because it really does affect everything. Hey, I, and you know what? I have these horrible ankles with full of arthritis, like right. that I'll never, right. You know what? About four o'clock every day, I'm in a lot, like I start to be in a lot of pain. And, you know, you, you think like, well, so you're aware of that and you, no, I'm not, I'm not, but like chronic pain will make you mean. Well, and right now I'm thinking of another example and that is, um, when we did the, the, what we're posting on Patreon now, these uh, dialogues between you and your dad, right. when we recorded those, you could see like the exact same topic, exact same conversation at 10 AM was different right. at 3 PM. Oh yeah. And you, you know, know, especially my, I mean, yeah, my dad's up in his eighties now, like that right. whole thing. Like, yeah. I mean, you want to have a great conversation with my, you know, any, you know, anyone past your, my age, like you're going to, you're going to do way better with me in the morning. Right. Most of right. the time. Yeah. Or, or, you know, like right after a meal, but like, you know, like nothing good comes out of my mouth after 10 o'clock at night. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't want to have a, you don't want to ha talk with me about anything of substance. <laughs> and it took me a long time to realize that. And it well, didn't yeah, used to be that way. I used to have, I used to have great stamina. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's no bigger reminder that we are machines, right? That, right. I mean, the, 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 the fuel tanks fuel, are low right. or the, yeah. And so I think like, you know, one of the things, you know, Bob asked that question and you go like, why are we lousy to the people? Well, I go like, so your best and most productive hours of the day, who did you give those to? Oh, you know, mm. like between nine and five. Oh, you gave them to those people. And then like when you're really tired, right? You know, who did you give those hours to? Oh, you know, that's why family vacations are such a good idea. Yeah, that's such a useful thought, man. A, a lot of times the reason we go on vacation is because it takes, you know, that then you're giving the people that you love the most prime time, good hours, Right. And certain kinds of conversations happen between me and my kids, especially my adult kids, when we've woken up and we're having our coffee and we don't have to go anywhere. And like, it's like 930 and we're talking about, you know, problems when I, when, when the kid was growing up and things I did wrong and like, you know, what is God and why did we believe that? And, you know, all this stuff. And you're like, how is that? Well, you know, it's because those are prime time. Those are when I do my best thinking and my best talking. Mm-hmm. So family vacations are one of the reasons they're valuable is because they flip that equation and you're not always get, you, you, your closest people aren't always getting the dog scraps of your attention. Right. Or even just a Saturday during the day or a Sunday right. doing something and not, not gallivanting. Hey, and Bob, Facebook, Bob, one more thing. We tend to be mean to people 
when we are interrupted. Like when we, when, when our, when our thought train is interrupted, when we are right that. And so the more time you spend engaged in like text messaging conversations with people online and stuff like that, then when the other person shows up with their problem, they are an interruption. And you like a lot of times, a big part of our early snappishness is just that we're changing modes. And, and it's, and, and so one of the things that you have to rec, I think it'd be really great to chart our meanness against our interaction with devices, because I guarantee you there's a relationship. And, and so, you know, so you say like, if you start to see pa- patterns of when does the meanness emerge, you go like, okay, well, let's, let's, I mean, what, what can we do about that? You know, how, how do we address that in terms of other patterns? Sometimes I'm in the middle of something like, like I, I know I, I will soon be apologizing for this that I'm saying right now. Like I already know <laughs> I'm wrong and I can't pull out. Well, yeah, because um, we're not we have this idea that we're rational beings and we we're fully in control. And I, I let go of that thought a while ago. Like, I don't think I'm in control 100 percent at all. You know, I mean, it, nah, we're not rationalizing. Being, we're, we're, we're not rational. We're rationalizing, which yes. means that like, you know, we feel something and then we come up with reasons. And a lot of the stuff that I end up having to apologize for is bullshit I said to justify an emotional response. Right. hundred percent. You know, and I'm like, you know what? It, 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 it's because I rationalized. I, I tried, like I did something wrong and then I tried to, I tried to justify it or rationalize it. And it made sense what you, cause what, what you said, you know, like, you know, and I'm, I'm a big one. I don't know if you, if, if you do this, I'm a big one for saying, well, you said repeating what the person said, but like with tone, like, cause that, cause that's how I heard it. Right. Yeah. And they're like, I did not. And Marty will be like, I did not say it like that. Even Roman will be like, really? Did I say it? Did, did I say that? And I'm like, ah, fuck you. You know, you, you I, like, I, no, you didn't say it that way, but that's how I heard it. And, and yeah. so I think like so much of what we're doing is we're, we're, we're coming up with excuses to justify feelings that are a lot of times, again, the meanness that we express towards our loved ones because we're safe. And we know that that's a place where we can like, is is negative feelings and stuff that we picked up elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And we were just- yeah, that, those conversations may have absolutely nothing to do with the real root reason for the argument. Oh yeah, I like hey, you know I'm married for thirty some years, right? Thirty two years actually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, I tell you this, it's funny how when we haven't had sex for a long time, I find myself getting irritated with Marty for things that when we have had sex just recently, don't bother me at all. I actually find endearing, you know, like, and, and the, the, the actual argument or the actual thing that I'm going to snap at has nothing to do with sex, mm-hmm. but sex is this thing that sort of like just lowers my overall irritability scale, makes me feel good about life in general, makes me feel good about Marty in particular. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't want to admit that in the moment. Like, I don't want to say like, I'm just really, you know, frustrated. And it's, you know, cause half the time it's not her fault. It's like, I'm unavailable or I'm, you know, I haven't, I haven't put forth the, the kind of thoughtful effort that it requires in a 32 year old marriage to get to romance. 
Like that, you, right, like right. That, it, 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 it ain't like no, that makes a lot of sense. It ain't like flipping a switch. And so a lot of times, like I haven't done what I need to do to put myself and her in a space where that's possible. And then you're frustrated when it doesn't happen. And but then I don't express like I don't sit down rationally and say like you know, I mean sometimes I do, but but most of the time I don't sit down and go like you know, we haven't really been intimate for a while, and and that's not good for our relationship. So like what do you think? Like Wednesday night, let's set aside some time and, and we'll light some candles and, you know, I'm going to send you some texts before I get there to sort of let you know, I'm thinking about you, you know, like, like I don't usually say that, but that would be the smart thing to do is to recognize like, Oh, other things are going to go sideways if we don't address this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times I, I, I don't, and I let those things go sideways. And then, and then ostensibly they have nothing to do with sex. The conversation wasn't about sex. Not, it had nothing to do with sex, but some, you know, sometimes one or the other of us is wise enough to go like, you know, what's really going on here? Yeah. What's really going on here is we haven't connected. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and, and things are not going to go well if we're not connected. Now it's not the same with your kids, but there are equivalencies in the sense of, you know, I do a lot of back and forth with my kids about everyday stuff, like who's flying where and what's going and did you send this and what about this and stuff like that. And then once in a while, we set aside an hour and we have one of those long rambling conversations. If we don't have a rambling conversation and then I send Roman a question about some financial thing or some some favor I need him to do for me, it doesn't get the same response as it does the day after I've totally reminded him how much I adore him by listen, by, by having a, a substantive conversation with him. And so that's not sex, but like there are these things that reset our, our patience tanks with the other person. There are these things that reset our ability to absorb discomfort from another person. And if we don't do those things, um, we're not, we're not going to be there. Whereas with strangers and people out in the street, like we don't respond angrily oftentimes just because like it's, we don't want to be embarrassed or we don't know that person well enough. We don't trust their response. Maybe they're in a position to hurt us. So like we take a lot of shit off of people out there in the world, but with the people that we're intimate with, if we're not resetting our tank of patience and our tank of forbearance, they're, we're, we're going to be mean because there's always something to be mean about. There's always, I mean, we, we all do enough stuff to each other to, 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 to frustrate each other. That's just, you know, the, the real question is not how do we stop frustrating each other, but just how do we get better at frost, frost, at processing the frustration? I think that's good stuff. All right, Bob, that was probably way more answer than you wanted. And you know what? We didn't even get to this. It was second half of his question was like, you know, as my kids are approaching teenagerhood, you know, how do you stay close? And, you know, honestly, that's a whole other question than the meanness one. Um, I mean, they're related because, because, you know, you have these blowouts and they definitely, they definitely work differently when your kids are approaching teenagerhood and in teenagerhood. Um, but no, I'm, I mean, you're right. So, so it's a substantive question because yeah, maybe, maybe we should hold off on, on the second part and do it next time because, well, no, uh, no, I, you know what we should do? We should actually, we hmm. should actually get a guest that makes sense on that. You know, we should get somebody 
because I think that that whole subject of, and, and, and not just parents and teenagers, I think there are a lot of aunts and uncles that don't know how to relate to teenagers. I think there are a lot of people in, uh, in like a humanist community that like the teenagers are there and they're like, I don't have teenagers. I don't know how to relate to young people. I think there's a lot of people that are trying to figure out how to relate better to young people mm-hmm. and parents being at the top of that list. And I, I think it would be really good to have a conversation about how adults, how, how older people, grownups relate to teenagers. I, 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 all of a sudden I'm going like, oh, that's a really important subject. I'm putting it on the list. Put it on the list, baby. Hey, yeah. and, and Bob, thanks for, thanks for calling in the question, man. This is a great this, question. Yeah, I really appreciate it. This was good. Solid answer, man. All right, man. It was good talking to you again. And to those of you in the Humanize Me community, um, all I can say is keep the questions coming. And, and, and Bob did his calling into the uh, question line, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so call in questions because they, they make for good shows. Yeah, the number's coming up at the end. Yeah, and, and you know, if, if you've got, sometimes people, the questions they call in are really personal. If you got like, if you want to talk through some personal thing, like I do that, like that's what the whole coaching and pastoral counseling stuff on the website is all about. And so like, you know, and sometimes people are like, well, I just have this one thing. I don't know if I really need to get into a whole counseling or coaching relationship. And I go like, yeah, you know what? The first conversation is always free. And a lot of times I would say probably 50% of the people I talk to, they call with something very specific. We talk about it in that first conversation and that's all it takes. And, and, And like we're in and out and it's done. And there's no money to change his hands, sadly. Um, but like, honestly, that's a, a, a beautiful joy. Sometimes it's just good to call a smart stranger um, who's not in your life and talk through something um, in a safe way. And so, you know, I just always encourage people, like, if you're even thinking there might be a thing to talk about, it's, it's not going to hurt you to to send an email and, and set up a call and, and we'll talk it through. And sometimes it turns into a, a longer term thing and most of the time it doesn't. All right, John. Bart. People. Humanizers, all of us, there is something profoundly beautiful about people who have decided that the way to make the most of their lives is to cultivate better relationships and make things better for other people. And I am glad to be in your company and we'll do it again next week on Humanize Me. For more on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at humanize me pod on Twitter and humanize me podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search humanize me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424 424- 291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. Hey, you could be larger than life.
yakın.